Black Girl Fly. I'm your girl, Tanisha Nicole. And I'm Tashana Dixon. And today we are going to be talking about leading while black. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about how this came about? So it's been an interesting couple of months, but I feel like, or for you, I think it's been over a year, but I've been hearing your stories about, you know, you rising in the ranks as a leader at your company and kind of the struggles that you have been encountering along the way. Yep. And I recently have been experiencing some of the same things. So I feel like we've been having a lot of conversations about this lately. Yeah. No, no, I agree. And quite frankly, leading in a corporate environment mm-hmm. has really been new for me. And this would be the last three years that I've had a lot of experience with organizations and my own business, which is a total different position to be in. Mm-hmm. And I've come to this company and I am really the only African-American leader in the whole company. And when I say only African-American leader, like middle management up, I am the only leader. And so I think it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge for a number of reasons. But mostly I think it's perception that I've struggled with. And what I, it took me a while to realize, I'd say I just really realized this in the last year, is that people who know me, perceive me as one way and people who kind of just get a peripheral view of me, they all have another perception of me. And so over the last, I'd say three years, it's been a struggle to kind of me understanding those perceptions and how to react to them or, or adjust knowing that that is the perceived perception of me. You know, people, I mean, we've heard it all, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Either you have the the angry black woman or you have the, what do they call it? I don't want to say mammy, uh, but it's like the the motherly black figure. And what are the other ones? I'm curious because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm perceived. But but usually you're, you're non-social, right? You're, that one definitely resonates. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just so much and it's being in an environment where they don't understand you culturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, for most black people, I'd say I have had the experience where your work life is separate from your personal life and it has right. nothing to do about your relationships, but we've been raised that way, right? Like, like being black, you couldn't be black. You couldn't yeah. like, bring your full self <laughs> yes. to work. And, yeah. and I think that in the United States, people just still don't understand that. Right. And that's right. been a huge gap for brown people in the workplace is that as a brown person in the United States, you know that you can't bring yourself. And so the perception of that on the other side of that is, you know, the angry, the antisocial, they don't really get to know you. Right, um, right. And I think that in itself is a huge challenge. Yeah. Have you experienced that at all? Yeah, I definitely have. And that actually reminds me, this is slightly unrelated, but you know, I love my, cha- my tangents. <laughs> but in in the Meghan Markle, Oprah, and Harry interview, um, I didn't watch it. People keep talking about. It. I gotta watch it. Huh? I didn't. I didn't watch the full thing, but I just watched the clips just so that I could get. I watched the clips and then I watched some pieces around, you know, responding to it yeah. so that I could get varying perspectives without having to watch the whole thing myself. Yeah. <laughs> but so some of the clips were, were very interesting. But one of them was Meghan Markle sharing that. You know, she she was basically a prisoner of the castle, you know, and she had there was a period of time she was going out like once every three months. Oh, wow. 
And she was like, I need to get out of here and like telling people like, I need to go outside. And they're like, well, you're everywhere. Like you're everywhere in the media. We just need you to be like 50% less, like 50% less of who you are. (laughs) And she was going out once every three months. Yeah. But the perception of her was that she was everywhere because she was always in the media. Right. There was always something about her surfacing, even though she was not. Right. And so that. I think that's a perfect example of a few of the things you talked about, right? The perceptions that people had of her, right? She's not even outside, but she looks like she's everywhere. But then also, like, you really need to, like, dial it back and dim your light so that people can, quote, unquote, handle you. No, so so that brings me to something else that happened. I think I told you about this. I was in a meeting with someone, and I I just really had, like, we, we had clashing (laughs) relationships like I was I'd have a conversation with this one particular guy at work and then he'd go off and do something else and I called him on it and and it was I I did it privately like I was like hey you know what's going on with this you know when we spoke this is what was supposed to happen but that's not what happened right (laughs) and (laughs) and so so it came back it was so weird because it came back and we were kind of talking to it and he's like Shonda well you know we we just have different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, elaborate, you know, let me make sure I fully understand what you're saying. And he was like, well, sometimes it, it seems like when you have an opinion, you really like, you can't hear anyone else's and you're forcing it on everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's really interesting because in my dialect, what I've learned to do, and I've done this for decades <laughs> is that I always pose my thoughts as a question. So I've been an analyst for a long time. And so I'm always trying to hear other people's, you know, ideas and, and what they like. Now I do have in my personality, if I think that you're wrong and you haven't proven yourself, I'll still think you're wrong. Facts, <laughs> but, facts, facts. But I do allow you to state your opinion and I, and I hear it out. And I say, well, that's interesting because whenever I pose a question I, or whenever I say something, I always go, and what do you think? Or, or, or is there something that I'm missing or <laughs> things like that? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, it just seems like you're not willing to hear other people's opinion. And I, so I, I said, you know, that's interesting. How do you feel about so-and-so mm-hmm. um, another, uh, a strong personality who's very direct. Another guy, he's, he's, actually really articulate and whatnot, but he's a really strong personality. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, he's just passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, and, and I go, that's weird because I've been in rooms where he makes this definitive statement <laughs> that it has to be true and everyone has to accept it. Mm-hmm. And so you're telling me that you perceive me as forceful, but this guy <laughs> is not, right. he's passionate and, right. and that's acceptable. Right. Um, and the guy, literally the guy who I was talking to looks at me and goes, I never really thought about it like that. <laughs> I never really thought that I was a misogynist. Like what? Like, I mean, it, it's that I was real. racist. That, so, you know. so, but I mean, I encounter that Yikes. all the time. Yikes. I, I had a guy tell me, so there was another situation and it was a different guy and we were in a room. And we had just changed the name of something. It was like a team, an internal team name or something. Mm-hmm. And I called the the team the old team name. And he corrected me really fast. But like literally five seconds before I said the wrong team name, a guy in the group said the wrong name and no one said anything. Right. Microaggressions. <laughs> and I was like, and so I called him. I called the guy and I said, hey, he just said that. And the guy literally told me it was because I'm a woman. And wow. <laughs> and and. 
I was so shocked. <laughs> wow. And everyone in the room, so there were like four other people in the room, and they all kind of did that thing where they like, we, we didn't hear this. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and and that happens. Like, wow. that happens. Wow. I'm like, just kudos to you for calling that out. I feel like on my side, and I've been in situations more recently where like people are calling these microaggressions out. But I feel like I'm so conditioned to accept these things. Yeah. Like I don't even notice I used to when they happen. So so I, I used to accept it, but what would happen is everyone in the room would say that they didn't understand my experience. And so now that I'm hearing all these stories, I'm like, man. I'm like, man. Uh but no, I I was in a room where someone made a stick figure of a person and they drew like hair like sticking up, like just Stick figure that showed it was a girl hair mm-hmm. sticking up, and my boss's boss at the time said that the hair looked like me. <laughs> looks like mine. What? <laughs> um, oh my god! And, and I didn't say anything at all. There, what? there were at least twelve to fifteen people in this room. Oh my uh, gosh! I cannot <laughs> right now. I'm just like, what? yeah. And at the time, I had a fro, right? So it's not like, like yeah. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Oh and I and so my boss, I don't want to say too much, but she was French mm-hmm. and she had a little of a cultural difference mm-hmm. than I would say people in the in the US, but we were in other meetings and someone who was in that meeting who actually drew the picture, I think it was just he, her and I we were speaking about something and I brought it up and she's like, "What what are you talking about? I don't remember that." Mhm. And I was like, how can you not? That was so terrible. <laughs> you drew the picture. And and I, I guess I experienced that enough to where I realized that if I didn't share that I was uncomfortable or that it was inappropriate, that no one would recognize that and I would be standing alone. Yeah, no one. Oh, my goodness. This is so interesting because I have a client like this right now. And yeah, like this stuff goes when it goes unchecked. Like, it just becomes acceptable behavior. And especially if leadership is in the room, it's like they're endorsing that behavior. And it becomes this vicious cycle. And people don't realize, like, the things that we think become our words and the things that we say become our actions. And the things that we do with our actions become the outcomes that we see in the world. And this is how racism and every other ism is perpetuated because we first think it, then we get approval from our peers by speaking it aloud, Mm -hmm. and then we collectively organize ourselves to do that thing and wonder why at the end of the day, there are some people that are affected. I was going to (laughs) say, we we can take this real life, Asians getting shot and and people saying he was just angry. He was having a bad day. But where did that start from? This... Asians brought it over from <laughs> right a belief yeah. a belief that totally false to- totally unproven right. un whatever but it, it started with that thought right yeah um and then and, we talked about it yeah yeah, yeah. and wow. and so I, I wanted to get back to the subject so the subject was leading while black so I mm-hmm. talked a lot about kind of like some of the experiences that I've had but through this by the way I've had to and and all these experience, I've been a leader 
in, in, in wow. this organization. Wow. And so that was one of the reasons it was important for me to call it out because I have to, beneath all of it, I, I, I told you that a lot of times it comes off like black people aren't um, invested or aren't involved. And for me, the people who work closely with me, they started to understand me, right? They, they mm-hmm. started to say, Tashonda's going to call it like it is, right? They started right. to trust who I am. And I, I don't think that I would have had the same result if I would have sat in silence, if I would have allowed things to just continue to happen. Mm-hmm. I might be more acceptable. <laughs> right. The people who look to me, I don't think would feel as comfortable. Right. But I think you, you called out a very important point in that you had to bring yourself to work. Yeah. Like you had to be authentic in who you were and you had to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I mean, that that really is a sucky situation. But like, I feel like it, that that's how it works. Like that's when it becomes effective because they can see they can see you and they have a relationship with you. Yeah. And they care about that. But if you're distant and cold and just upset. You can be a stereotype. You can be yes. what they envision you to be without getting to know you any deeper. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I feel like you you really have, you know, as as harmful, as hurtful, as terrible as it has been, I feel like you're really making a difference over there. I would say so. And I think the key of all of it has been vulnerability. But also, I had a lot of learning to do. When I stepped into the role, I thought if I'm just myself, that everyone would see me as me. Mm. But to to your point, some people saw me as a stereotype because they didn't think to get to know me anymore. Right. And so I, I, I had this like <laughs> dichotomy. Like I had people who who knew me and they loved me. Like they're like, this is Tashonda and I know Tashonda and, and, and I trust her and, and all of this. Then I had these people who didn't know me and they're like, I don't trust her. I don't know what her <laughs> motives are. She seems angry. <laughs> And it, it's been interesting because what I found at first, I was so, I, I wouldn't say distraught or angry. I was taken back a little bit. Like, how can people work with me and not understand me? Because I, I do, I bring myself to work. And I had to step back and realize how they perceived me and figure out a way to work within that relationship so so one of the things i started doing, I, I, I tell you i had a nemesis last year we we just butted heads and she was she was out to get me i am i am so serious wow. she was going to do everything she could to take me down wow. and i and i can tell you that it was like i am not exaggerating i had people come to me and say what'd you do to her she told me to do this and <laughs> yeah wow. and today we are tight she's probably my biggest ally now wow. but what i had to do is I had to step back and actually force a relationship with her that you may not get me, but you're going to talk enough to me that you're going to start to learn me. Mm-hmm. And we, we are peers, which is, is different. And it's, it's easier to establish this with subordinates. But so with a peer relationship, I had to say, I'm going to be in meetings where she is. I'm going to put some time on our calendar and say, we need to talk about certain things. It's not necessarily a requirement, mm-hmm. but it was required for our relationship to get past that. Right. And I, I think that it, it's back to what you said before is that leading while black sometimes means adjusting so that you can show enough of yourself <laughs> to get past those stereotypes, to get past those preconceived notions of who you are. 
and it's completely changed my relationship. I, I was challenged with something that I was presenting to leadership um, this past two weeks, two weeks ago. And I reached out to her. I said, hey, I know this is going to be a challenge bringing this to leadership. I need you to back me up on this. Mm-hmm. And she actually, I, she sent an email and she was like, hey, you know, I really strongly believe in this. So it looked like it was coming from her. And then when right, I came back right, and right. said the same thing, we got easy buy in. So I, I just use that as an example of that's how different our relationship is now. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. I, I, I think we're going to close out here, but I, I just appreciate, you know, I've been watching your journey on the periphery and I just appreciate now, now that I'm like in it, I appreciate <laughs> it so much more that the stories that you have told me, you know, over the last few years, I'm just like, I can't even <laughs> imagine like, Ah. Yeah, so so I, I, did, I do want to say this before. Leading, though, is it, cool because I have the opportunity to really change people's lives. And I, and I can tell you, like a real like change. I've had people who were at a lower level who would only make probably 10 more thousand in their career. And I've completely changed the trajectory of their career and teaching them the opportunities that's available. Um, mm-hmm. Growing people and seeing the light in their eyes when they figure something out, when they get to that new level of, mm-hmm. of really just sharing a piece of you. I mean, and, and you're impacting these people, not just from a, a mental perspective of how great you can be, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. financially. Like one of my employees was able to buy a house. She'd never bought a house before. Right. <laughs> and so I, I talk to you guys a lot about my challenges but the opportunity, and then also, I, I didn't mention this, but all the people who've been able to see Tashonda, an educated African-American woman who is not ghetto and ratchet like the like Atlanta housewives and all of those things, but someone who is articulate but different, right? Someone who is not considered, like, you, you know, they say you're acceptable because you're an Oreo. You're really white on the inside. Well, I'm not that either. <laughs> Um, and, and so you're you're also getting an opportunity to expand so many pe- so many more people's mind. And in the leadership position, it's not just your direct reports. You have people across the organization who are looking to you, who see you, who, who get an opportunity they wouldn't have gotten. So yeah, it it's, can be challenging, and you could have some of the experiences that I've had. But I think there's great power in stepping up and, and owning some of those challenges mm-hmm. to really spread that that positive side of it. No, I. I think that's so beautiful <laughs> and I, I think let's do a part two because <laughs> I, you know you know you know you know like there's still so much more to unpack there and what you just said yeah so so until next time y'all until until part two <laughs> I'm your girl Tanisha Nicole and I'm Shana Dixon and, and we, we are Black Girl Fly, Fly.